You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Process, and this is the second time we are trying this. We essentially had the entire podcast recorded this morning, and then because of the damn storm, as soon as we were about to end it, Boom! There goes the electricity, and we lost the entire podcast. What a way to start our day today, huh, D-Ray? Oh, my God. That shit was first thing in the morning, too. That hurt. That hurt. But we we good. We good. We good. We still got a shit ton to talk about, so let's get it. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know what? Two, two, and I will say this. To an extent, I think it might have been a good thing, because I had all day to think He's about the dust. 76ers more. What'd you say? I said, you smoking dust. Man, that shit was gold this morning. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. It was gold, no doubt. Every time we hit this damn start button, it's gold. But that's why Absolutely. this is going to be gold, too. We'll be all right. But it gave me more time to just think about this 76ers team. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie to you. There is a fucking problem, all right? That's reality. There's a problem with this team. It's so sad that I felt better watching the exhibition games than I did what I saw here in the first two regular season games back. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I can't say you're crazy because I see what you're saying. They look better in those exhibition games, but that's crazy that it's come to a point where it's like, I don't know what the hell happened. Not saying you were gung-ho on this morning. But you seem fed the fuck up. So so please talk to me. Oh well look, I mean this morning I what I did was after the win against the Spurs, I took mm. some positives away. I took some negatives away. I was like, okay, here's some positives. Tobias Harris looks like he has a little more a little bit more step in his game. Joel yeah. Embiid put back to back games together. That's great. Shake Milton bounced back. Those were the positives. But the the negatives this is a problem. The negatives is a huge issue with this team, and I don't think they're going to figure it out. The fact that Brett Brown doesn't know his rotation yet, that is an issue, right? And not only that, he's trusting guys that should not be trusted. In the fourth quarter, there is no way in hell that Howell Neto and Furkan Korkmaz should be on the court at the same time. It should be Shake Milton and Alec Burks as your one and two, or you can have Matisse Thibault in there. It shouldn't be Furkan and Howell Neto. I'm sorry, that is just really bad basketball. All right, hold on. My first thing is, I see what you're saying about the rotation, but at the same time, Joel getting hurt kind of threw them a curveball because it's like, all right, now we got to make adjustments in different parts of the game. Well, this and last game, Joel B was there. Yeah, 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 but I'm saying as far as, you know them scared scared shitless with giving him too many minutes or anything like that. Not saying he hasn't been playing a shit ton, but it's just, I feel like once he got hurt, that kind of, that shifted thing around. But as far as, Shake Milton and and uh, Burke being in the position that Raul Neto and Furcon were supposed to be in. At the end of the day, those guys got more tenure. And in these games, you kind of need guys who know the scheme. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just playing devil's advocate because I, I am with you 100%. I would take those two over Raul Neto and uh, Furcon Korkmaz any day down the stretch. But I feel like down the stretch is like I need guys who, number one, bring a shit ton of offense, and number two, know this scheme. So I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I see what you're saying. Against the Pacers, you were up 10. Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, they leave the court. The Sixers get destroyed. Now let's fast forward to the Spurs game. 
There goes Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris at the same exact time in the fourth quarter. You just saw it not work on whatever night it was when they played against the Pacers. And now you're doing it again, and the same thing happened. Clearly, big shift for me today. This morning, not as fired up. Right now, fired up to the point where, you know, I'm just processing, no pun intended, Ben Simmons at the four position. This shit ain't working. He doesn't know what to do. He's standing there at the elbow, and he has no idea what to do. I question if you should move him back the point guard already. Hell no. What do you mean, hell, hell no. no? This is I He looks. Got... He doesn't know what he's doing there right now. The offense looks horrible with him. I'm not for him. I'm not for going back to that old shit. I'm sorry. We said it. I want to say it was right before they started. So was that episode 22, 23-ish? Yeah. Hell no. I am not for going back to the old way of doing shit. To me, this change in the guard was exactly what they needed. Is this shit going to be immediate? Obviously not. But I am not for shifting him back to the point guard and pretty much playing four and five when it comes to offense because his ass is at the top of the key and his man can help whoever. That's such a, the only time that situation to me is good is how it played out for Shake Milton at the end of that game where they are so scared that Joel Embiid is going to get the ball and score that they double his ass. The problem is Shake Milton and Ben Simmons are two different players. Obviously, Ben Simmons' head and shoulders better than Shake Milton overall, but when it comes to that three-point shot and how much he limits people without having that three-point shot, or should I say the willingness to take that three-point shot, him at the top of the key or him on the wing, it's four and five offense. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, it would be different if when he's playing this four position, it's somewhat more of a stretch four. But I, I thought, and at least I was intrigued by the initial move of him making plays out of that elbow spot, but it's not yeah. working. It's not. So whether they figure something new out, is there even enough time to figure new things out? The elbow thing isn't know. working. So if he's not playing a stretch four and taking shots, does the four work for him right now? Maybe long term, he'll have plenty of of off seasons to grow as a point forward but in terms of hey there's six games left and this team needs to go on a ride how can you yeah. sit here and try and keep saying you know it's, it's gonna take time at this point you gotta have to throw your best cards out there and sadly right now the best cards might be Ben Simmons at the one you might be right bro you might be right like I said I, I'm, I'm, I go back and forth with it as far as how much time that decision is gonna make but I'm sticking with Brett on this one. And I know there's a couple people out there who are going to be like, fuck this guy for this. Those Brett Brown diehard haters, I understand it. But for me personally, that old way of doing shit is not the way to do it. I'd rather deal with the growing pains. And we talked about this before they started. I said, I don't necessarily, they ain't winning a fucking championship this year. And if they do, that would really cap off 2020 as some wild shit. I don't see the team that had an abysmal, an abysmal role record this year turn around and figure this shit out there in Orlando where they can get to a point where they beat not only the Raptors, uh, but the Bucks, and then make it to the to the finals and end up beating the what is looking like going to be the Lakers at this point. I don't see it, but it's been a wild ass year. With that said, I pretty much doubled down on the fact that I need this shit to go in the right directions. So I don't need Ben Simmons to get it today or tomorrow. I understand what you're saying about these six games, but I'd rather know when this team comes back, that scheme is going to be something they can run with and see enough hope out of that than go back to the old way of doing shit. Because to me, that was insanity. And that's when I'm like, yo, I'm not saying fuck Brett Brown, but this is when the change has to be made. When you keep trying the same shit over and over and over and over again and expecting different results. That shit is literally insanity. Well, I just don't know if you're going to see 
enough positives with this scheme to say, you know what, I can't wait for next year to see them run this back again. It's at the point now where this looks so ugly, it is killing me inside. And I I was one of the most optimistic Sixers fans where Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, look, they are built for the playoffs. That's something that we've been hearing forever. They're talented enough where when the games matter, it would click for them. But I no longer feel that way. When you give up 46 points in the fourth quarter against Indiana, and when you give up 43 points in the fourth quarter to the stinking San Antonio Spurs, there's there's like a a will problem. Like There's no will there to defend. And if you're Uh, not telling me you don't want to defend in the fourth quarter, then we have serious issues. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, I can't. I can't. At the end of the day, and they've been known to play down, but I see what you're saying. If you can't do it against them, how the fuck are you going to do it against the Raptors, who still look great, by the way? Like, I hate people who try to chalk that shit up to Kawhi. Obviously, Kawhi was uh, was the, the quadruple dunk, uh, you know, that, that got them over the hump or whatever. That shit went to seven games. That was great. But this team is still phenomenal without Kawhi Leonard. So it's like you can't expect that team to be the team that's going to beat the Raptors if they can't handle the Pacers. I I, I agree with you, dog. I I look at the Sixers right now, and they don't even compare to the Celtics, to the Raptors, and I'm not even going to say Bucks lakers because that's a no-brainer, but they don't compare to those teams. They don't even compare to the Miami Heat. There is some sort of problem when it comes to this team right now, and I do not feel confident at all that they will be able to uh, put something together to win, and I hope I'm wrong. I have been... Very optimistic when it came to them being able to flip the switch, but I can't deny it anymore. There is something that is not clicking when it comes to these players, and you're seeing it in these games where they are getting in these dogfights with teams that they should annihilate by 30 fucking points. Yeah. Do you so do you think that's a playing down a competition? Because you said a will problem. And I love that. I love how you worded that. It's a will problem. As in when you go out there, to me, a will problem comes down to your focus and your commitment to your game plan. So to me, it's like y'all go out there, y'all think it's supposed to be a cakewalk, you get punched in the fucking mouth. Because now it's like everything is reactory. We're not playing on our toes, we're playing on our heels. And that means you're backing up. So do you think it's a thing of they're playing down the competition and that's why they were so good against certain teams and looked so great at other times? Or do you think it really is like we might have to dismantle this shit? I'm not going to go to the extreme of like dismantling. I just think this year is not it for the team. Like this year, it's just not it. I don't think that because this year they're having some really bad mental year together and things aren't flowing beautifully, that that means next year's automatically going to be some sort of dumpster fire. I've been watching sports for a long time. Some teams have a bad season. They come back with one new change and then there's a whole new mindset. And there's a whole new way to look at this team, and it's a different flow. So I'm not going to say dismantle it totally. But it it is going to, um, you know, when it comes to playing down to their competition, during a regular season in the NBA, I think it's very fair to say there's 82 games. You go to Washington. You go to Charlotte. It's a Wednesday night in October. You lay an egg. You have a stinker. I mean, that type of stuff happens. If you win 55 games-ish or so, you're in a fine ballpark. But now, it's too late to be talking about flipping the switch. If this team is looking the way that it is right now, this team should be looking like Toronto. The way we talk about Toronto, that's how this team should look. And instead, it looks like a team that it's just not on the same page. I see what you're saying, bro. I see what you're saying, especially defensively. 
To me, it's and that's the problem because that's what they're supposed to do to win is is defend. That's, that's, that's what they're supposed to be best at. That's what they're supposed to be best at. And to me, it's like the length. I'm not gonna lie. There's been spurts where I've been excited because I see them with these lineups out there where they're just switching everything, and it's like, oh, you set a screen on Tobias. When you get over that, you gotta now you're defended by Ben or oh Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? Um, is is in the post, and then they kick it over, and then y'all be like, I love the length of it, but it's the continuity and the the flow of the defense to me that's really the most alarming more than the offense because it's like. That's what y'all were supposed to be known for. That was the whole point of putting this lineup. We talked about it a million times. Matisse fucking Thibault. Like, when he got drafted, it was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Another defender. And then X amount of uh, months down the line, we're like, yo, this kid might be exactly what we needed from a defensive standpoint. You can't do anything with him. You have so many guys who are around the same height, and they can switch, and they can change off. But the fact that they don't look connected, defensively worries me way more than offensively because this team was supposed to be a team that just locked people down. I always vision this team when they finally got it built. And when I say finally, I'll say, I pretty much say when Jimmy Butler uh, got on board and it was, for the most part, you know, it kind of is what it is. Tobias Harris, that when when that team finally got locked in, so we take away Jimmy and you add Al Horford, I'm like, all right, looking at this team on paper, this is a team that should, if they lose, it should be because it was a, a low-scoring game. It should be because it was a game that was in the 90s, miraculously in 2020, not because somebody just shot the lights out against them. And that shit's alarming. So I feel you, but I don't know. I don't they know. allowed 53 points to me, essentially. <laughs> TJ Warren, no disrespect, all right? But are you kidding me? They allowed 130 points to the Spurs and 127 points to the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Like 53 points to TJ Warren. And when Ben Simmons was defending him, he shot 9 to 10 from the field, 5 of 5 from 3, and 24 points. Ben, you got to give me more defensively. Then we fast forward to the game against the Spurs. He has his fourth foul within, what, 15 seconds of the second half. Fouls out with a stupid shove from behind. What the hell is he doing out there? It's a serious problem that Ben Simmons does not look locked in. He needs to be defending at an elite level, and he's just not doing it right now. And it's it's going to be a big-time issue when this team plays meaningful games. So what do you think it is? Because I, I hate I hate the the what the fuck feeling without any type of, oh, it's this, it's that. What do you think it is is holding this team back so much? It's a great question. Um, I think that they have a lot of guys that are very skillful individually. Like they have a lot of talent. That's one thing that's always talked about with this team is they have talented individuals, and they really do. But when it comes to like the flow of the offense, it's almost like, well, because Joel Embiid's their most dominant guy, well, you put it in the post, and then he wants to dominate, while someone like Josh Richardson is normally more active with the ball, so he's hanging out, waiting for his time to score the bucket, and Ben Simmons brings the ball. I just think, honestly, on paper, it's a bunch of skilled players, but they haven't figured out a way to utilize everyone's skill set around one another. It's like an AAU team. Yeah, I mean, that. realistically, yeah. yeah, sure. It's a lot of individual talent, and it's about figuring out the best way to do it. When you have a big man who's arguably the best big man in basketball who likes to go in the paint and go in the low post and just dominate guys, well, what does that mean for someone like Josh Richardson? And what does that mean for some other guys? You know, it's like I, I think they're having a hard time finding out a way to get everyone involved as individual talented players. 
think you're right. Well, think about Boston last year, right? They had Kyrie Irving. They had all this talent. But it didn't really work well. It didn't yeah. flow right. And they get rid of Kyrie. They bring in Kemba. Now the team looks like a whole different team. That's what I think can happen with the Sixers. One change, I think, can totally be a difference, whether it's a player, maybe it's a coach. I don't know. A new voice. I've been in a locker room where a coach got fired midseason, and the difference that it makes in terms of, like, I want to prove to this guy that I can play, there's a different focus level. You can't deny that. Okay. I I, I can't. I can't disagree with that, bro. You're, you're right. Yeah, that shit it, – it changes players. Yeah, no doubt. I, my biggest concern, though, right now looking at Brett is the fact that he doesn't have a rotation set. To me, it's simple. It's your starting five. So let's say it's Shake. I'll write it down here. We got Shake, Josh Richardson, um, Tobias, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. Right? So there's your starting five. Mm-hmm. Then you got Al Horford on the bench. Al, Glenn Robinson the third, Burks, Matisse, and he might not go nine, and that's nine guys, right? So no Furcon, no Neto, that's my nine. But in a game, I'm going eight. It just depends. Maybe it's Matisse over Burks that night. Like, you just don't have enough minutes when you look at when you're getting 40 from Ben and 37 from Josh Richardson and things like that and 38 from Embiid. I think you go Al, Glenn Robinson the third, Burks, Matisse. There's your nine that are going to play. Now it's just, hey, maybe eight plays one night and Alec Burks doesn't play one night, Matisse does. Or, you know, you figure it out from there based off that specific night. But that's my nine. Like, you should know that. You shouldn't be giving Neto fourth quarter minutes at this point. It's just reality. You shouldn't. Yeah. I, 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 I can't disagree with you, bro. Can you can you feel my it's, frustration? It's a, facts, facts. I'm about to say that's why I'm like, yo, this this shit is, you know what I mean? I'm like, go, 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 go. Like I hear you because you're not, you know what I mean? Like if you were up here talking about how Brett Brown, like you said it this morning, how somebody said, I don't know if it was in the comments or on a hotline or something, they were talking about how uh, Ben Simmons had a bad game and that's Brett Brown. Yeah. Fault. So what I did you, was real quick, I put up a Twitter poll and I said, uh-huh. whose fault is it that Ben Simmons had a bad game? And I was laughing, yeah. right? Like I wanted to see how many people would actually put Brett Brown as the reason why Ben Simmons is playing bad. And it came out yeah. to 65-35. So 35% of people thinks that Brett Brown is the problem and the reason why Ben Simmons is playing bad, which is just asinine. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I mean. If it was some shit like that, I get it. Bang your head on the table. You know what I mean? Like, just lose your shit. But these type of problems are real concerns. So I'm not, I ain't saying I'm disagreeing with you. It's just, it's crazy to be having this conversation. No doubt. No doubt. It's just a lot of things went through my head today. And I want to get your thought here on some defensive stuff the Sixers have been utilizing. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at uh, an article on The Athletic. Rich Hoffman put it up. And there were some videos implemented in there. And one of the problems the Sixers have had over the years with Brett Brown's philosophy defensively is just the standard pick. And a player comes around the pick. And he has that pocket where you can shoot that mid-range game. And those guards would utilize that pocket as a player would try and fight over the screen and he'd be able to knock it down it seemed like they went with the new approach at times where you go under the screen and you get a little bit of help there to kind of uh you know corner the the ball handler if you will and keep them outside the perimeter instead of getting to that pocket but that hasn't seemed to work either as I ran off those numbers of them getting destroyed late in ball game so you know from your perspective of being on the court what do you what do you think about those two different um ways to defend 
I mean, I to me, if you ever go under a ball screen, you're saying one of two things. Number one, which is probably the Sixers case, we have the length to get back to him from the guy who's in help. Or number two, we have no respect for this motherfucker shot. Like if I'm sticking to Ben Simmons and he's lining up for a screen, I'm yelling to my man under, under, because I know that he's not going to stop on the dime like a Kyle Lowry, uh, like a Steph Curry, like a shit LeBron at times, like a guy who's willingly going to take and make a three. You have no fear if you're going under because you know that he's going to get around that other side of the screen and try to get downhill. So that's the only reason why you would do that. I feel like with the Sixers, it's definitely the former, as in we think that if a guy comes off a screen and let's say somebody said in the screen, Joe Embiid sticking it, he tells Ben Simmons to go under, you're kind of counting on Matisse Stiebel being there to kind of discourage that guy from taking that shot as he gets to reach in there. The issue is once that shit doesn't work twice, it's time to make a fucking adjustment. You go under two screens and that's six points, you fucking up as a coach. You know what I mean? And if, if the coach ain't going to make that adjustment out there on, on the floor as players, y'all huddle up and it's like, yo, fuck that. Go over him. Go over him. Force his ass downhill so he can't come off and take that three. And like you said with TJ Warren, that's why it's so frustrating. It's like, bro, he is on fucking fuego. We have to get to him early. Like, it's just, it's no debate about it. But I see what you're saying. I, I definitely feel like the under the three, uh, under the screens thing is just, it's a bad Well, look. both it's wasn't working. Look. That's the problem. You know, the first yeah. one wasn't working either because when they went over the screen, which I normally would like to see them do, they were still getting abused by that. Yeah. Yeah. So unless, unless it's like, unless it's on some shit, like y'all got that figured out to the T, fuck that. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, before we get into what happened with Shake Milton and Joel Embiid on the bench and Shake Milton's game-winning shot, you, I think you got you to gotta tell the people about your bet you lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so uh, fuck the parlay for you betting folks out there, but there was two bets going on. The first bet is still active. The first bet between me, you, and Gil. 97.3 SPN, shout out Gil, um, that Ben Simmons would take, is it over five threes? Uh, four you had four and a half was the number set. So I took under, okay. and you guys took okay. it. It's just attempts, and it looks like <laughs> it's uh, nah, all money. Nah, <laughs> tastes good. It's two. So that was the big bet. The side bet was me and you said, I said that the time we record another episode, he's definitely going to take at least one three. He might have been practiced. It's just a shame we haven't seen that one, so it doesn't count. Exactly. So So thank you. Thank you, Ben. This morning I had to start. We lost power. I had to start uh, shaving my shit, but I guess I got to finish this. So on air, we're going to do this. You're going to read off this manscaping. Absolutely. Right. You got that while I handle this. Absolutely. Oh, you you do the business. You do the business. Oh, so God. support for process is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. By the way, you can use them in other spots. You know, the chest air, the Austin Powers, if you will, or the face or the face. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. You should see me in the bathroom, bang, 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 in the shower, LED lights. It's a beautiful thing. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just and they just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology 
When I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows for you to groom in the shower. I mentioned the LED lights. They've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. You can't even hear it. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PROC at manscaped.com. Dot com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code P-R-O-C. You look good. Looks like you're 15 again over there. So this shit's smooth. Yeah, it looks like you're 15 again over there. Look at that. Straight young boy. Should I go for the whole goatee? I, I said I would cut it up. Not all off, but should I go for the goatee? <laughs> yeah, I like it. The goatee uh, makes you look older. It's like, wow, that guy's not 20. Let's just say someone's 25 with a goatee. It's like, oh, that guy must be 32. I don't want to take a charge. If I see a guy in a goatee, I might move out the way. I'm like, I'm a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Hot <laughs> <Hot> show. Uh, <laughs> That's incredible. I'm getting the cut. I'm like my barber deal with this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll finish the show like this. Okay. Fuck that. There it is. Thank you, man. Man, it's gay. All right. Now let's move the microphone back to your face. That's okay. You were. Uh, you hear me now? Oh, you got oh me. we got you. Oh, do we have you? All right. So a couple things here. Shake Milton and Joel Embiid got into a fight on the bench. This is after Indiana game or during the Indiana game. I'm sorry. TJ McConnell with a couple. We've seen it before. Baseline steals being a pest. Shake Milton, bad body language. And you can read some lips during a a replay. I'm going to slap the shit out of you, Joel Embiid said. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. I like Joel Embiid being a leader, right? Telling people that, hey, you know, this is my team to an extent. But when you see a rookie who's in a big-time position, who looked to have mm-hmm. a bad day, I don't know if you go, I'm going to smack the shit out of you. So I've seen this a million times. I've seen that clip a million times. It got erased by the next day of him hitting that three. But that shit was kind of disheartening. But I, I got to ask you this. Do you think he was trying to channel his inner last dance on that one? As in, like, he saw that and he said, listen, Maybe what it's going to take sometimes, because obviously you can't do anything outside of your personality. But sometimes what it's going to take is pushing the motherfucker to a point where as long as they push back on everything and if you get caught in the crossfire, it's cool. But as long as they get to where they're trying to go, cool. Do you think that he took a a page out of Jordan's book with this one? I'm going to say, in theory, I understand why that would be brought up. But I think that that was just straight-up frustration. I, I honestly mm. do. I feel like he was so frustrated, some bad passes involved. He was just annoyed and bothered. I don't know if Joel Embiid has the mindset of, you know what, I watched Last Dance last week. Uh, yo, shake. I'm going to smack the shit out of you. You know, like, you're not yeah. eating after practice tomorrow. I, I really don't <laughs> know if he went to that degree. So I think that it was more just frustration. But I'll tell you this. What I like about Shake Milton, he did bounce back the next night. He hit the game-winning shot, and you saw Joel Embiid posting up, and you did see him kind of draw a defender too, which is uh, the power of Embiid. But Embiid was posting up, and Shake Milton goes, I'm taking the shot. No, Shake Milton was way more wide open, but just the fact that you you piss off the superstar of the team the game before, and then with six seconds to go, it's like, hey, this is my shot. I love that. Yeah, 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 that's balls. That's balls. And I will say this about this play. And I watched it day again, and I was like, something about the play just didn't sit right with me. The most underrated part of that play was exactly what he's here for. I'll 
fucking Horford. If you watch when Shake, in, first of all, him holding off his man at that point was great. I'm sorry. That shit's underrated. For, at that point of the game, NBA guys are getting in pass lanes and stealing that shit. And if you don't believe me, go back there and watch last year when he was on the Celtics. He did the shit to Ben Simmons. Guys are shooting that gap. So his ability to seal off his man and get that with his right hand was crazy. But if you watch that play closely, don't look at Shake. Don't look at Joel. Al Horford grabs the ball, fakes to Joel to get Murray to go down to Al Horford. I mean, go down to uh, to John Bede and then passes it back to Shake. And to me, that's why you gave him all that money for those big moments. For the fake for pass. Exactly. No, 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 no. no. I know. I'm just busting balls. I'm busting <laughs> to make balls. a pass. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. No, fake pass. You're not worth a hundred something million. I can do that. <laughs> you got another defending point guard. Great job. But no, I'm serious. And those big moments to have that wherewithal that younger players just don't have, that cleverness, those little minute details that are different between winning and losing. Because a fucking rookie probably would have grabbed that ball, threw that shit right into Joel, it got picked off, or he doesn't get fouled. Ball game. Like, that shit to me is why you have Al Horford on Well, it's, it's funny you mention Al Horford because I do think he played a strong second game. But the yeah. numbers he gave you in the first game against Indiana, he was minus 26 in 23 minutes. We talked about how shit. bad Greg Monroe was. Like, Joel Embiid, when he leaves the floor, which is going to be about 10 minutes or so in the playoffs, yeah. you got to have someone who can be there that can help this team. I mean, you can't be giving me minus 26 in 23 minutes type Al Horford. That just is not good enough. No, that shit was abysmal. I, I can't. How it almost with that. honestly doesn't it seem impossible that Al Horford would give you that type of performance? Hell no, nah, man. Anybody can have a bad night. Yeah, it's but just, they it's, just it's, it's these sad, consistent bad nights here. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 getting to a point where it's like, well, what the fuck is really going on? I, you know how I feel, bro. You know how I feel. Yeah, I you're just, way more optimistic than me and most. No, 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 no. I am. I am. I am. I'm saying in the sense of. As far as Al Horford goes, that rant I just went on is why I want him here. That's why I like him here. I don't think it was worth 100 mil, but that's why I like him. But it's just, it's this team to me just seems to be, I think the process shit, I hope we don't get trapped in it, but it just seems to be the type of team that it's like, you're really going to have to be patient. And when you get there, you got there. You know what I mean? Like, could I see these motherfuckers going off and running off several championships in a row once they get there? Yes. The issue is getting there. Like, I really think the process is the perfect name because you got to trust this shit to the fullest. So it's not really optimistic. It's more of a faithful type of thing because I understand that bullshit is bullshit, but it's just, it's a, it's a slow grind. I'm with, with you long term. Don't get me wrong. I am yeah. with you long term. I'm not someone that, it, look, I'm frustrated as hell with Ben Simmons right now, but I'm not yeah. a trade Ben Simmons, he stinks type of guy. I'm just frustrated with him because I expect more out of him. And the one reason, or the one thing I'd love to bring up with these people who, you know, Ben Simmons stinks, Ben Simmons not good, he doesn't do much on the floor, I don't know what you see with them. Those type of people wouldn't be that pissed off if you didn't think that Ben Simmons had a high ceiling. Howell Neto yeah. stinks. Furkan stinks. Those people don't get pissed shit. off. Yeah, they don't get pissed off about them, but they get pissed off when Ben Simmons, you know, is is having bad games. And there's a reason why that is. Now, with that being said, though, like, I'm okay long-term being patient, understanding this is a grown man's league. I've been around basketball, watching basketball for a long time and seeing NBA titles for years now, knowing that you got to be a grown man to win in this league. That's reality. I get it. 
but you can't be giving me the type of performances that Ben Simmons has been throwing out. Offensively, I'm telling you, this whole elbow thing, I was intrigued by it because it was something new, but now that I've seen it for a couple games, uh, there is a disconnect there with this game, and it's it's... I'm not going to say it's holding him back because I think that there's times where he could be more aggressive in the elbow spot, and he's not. Yeah. So some of this goes on him too. But, you know, th- there is a big-time issue with Ben Simmons right now all around. And it, it, if if he's not going to do the thing that he does best, which is defend, then this team has some serious issues moving forward for this year, for this for this run. Yeah, I about to say, <laughs> for these next two weeks. <laughs> I mean, they got six games to figure this thing out, and I yeah. have zero faith that they turn the switch. I, I was holding on to they will be able to switch the uh, to flip the switch when the games matter, but there's just something about this team that screams that switch is just staying down, and that's reality for this year, so it is what it is. All right. We talked about this last episode, and we called how many games. You said – I said four and think- four. You said four and four. I said I said optimistic seven and one, but realistically, I see a six and two type situation. Yeah, you must have been drunk. This, yeah, I about to say who would remain in six games? I said this ain't water in this damn bottle. You know what I mean? But um, it's a, who would these big ass bottle? Who would remain in six uh, games? I'll look it up right now. I I do know some of them, but I know they played the Washington Wizards. Okay, so Wizards. Um, wait, what is it? August third. Okay, yeah. So Wizards Magic. Oh. Trailblazers, Suns, Toronto, Houston. Dang. Oh, they got losses on there, my friend. They can't even beat the Spurs. They got the well, they oh. isn't that crazy? They won the game, but it felt like a loss. Um, you know, they allow forty three really points good. in the fourth to the to the Spurs and and forty six to the Pacers. It's it's a it's a nightmare, dude. I tried to hold on. This was yeah. me venting. I needed this. I feel you, I bro. I feel you, man. I feel I'm gonna you. have a late night. A cup of coffee. I'm going to have some mint chocolate chip ice cream. I'm going to put my feet up and, and watch some basketball, watch some uh, playoff hockey. By the way, I ordered – you came down here. You saw the basement. You saw the concepts. Mm-hmm. I ordered a third television. Just came in today. It's balls. We're going three TVs on the wall. It's balls. I love it. End on a high note. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> that's what we do here, right? We end on the high note. Well, I'll tell you what. We had a hell of a morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end this before the power goes out again. Who knows? So <laughs> We fought through yeah, it, Yeah, we did. Fuck we it. did. And I, and I think it was a good thing. I told you. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Somehow, exactly. some way, blessing in disguise. Exactly. So thank you all so much for listening. And we will see you after the next two games that happen. After the Wizards game. And I already forget who the hell they play after that. The Magic, maybe? Yeah, something like that. See you guys next time.